Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is my privilege to be your pastor. Thank you. Uh, and, and Diane was right, I do love you, and I am thankful for you. Uh, Wednesday will be our eight-year anniversary together, right? <laughs> like if we were a married couple, we'd just be a couple of kids living the dream. <laughs> but uh, just know that, that, um, that I love you, that I am thankful for you. I speak for my family. I speak for Joe and his family. Uh, it is an absolute uh, ple- pleasure and privilege uh, to serve the Lord in your midst in this way that he has called us to and to do it with you. Um, we couldn't do what we do uh, without you. And so while there's a, a unique role that God calls us to play in our midst here, um, it is only one role of so many. And uh, we are a part of a, a staff team who give themselves selflessly to you in prayer and service. Uh, I serve amongst elders who love you and pour themselves out uh, for the good of this body and for the glory of God and the good of our staff team. Um, We are a part of something special that God is doing here, and you are that special thing through which God is revealing himself. So I applaud you. This is you, right? My spirit's just kind of catching up with it a little bit. You know, sometimes it's easier to offer blessing than it is to receive blessing. Uh, That's true for for a lot of us. And so I'm just trying to let my spirit kind of receive the gift of blessing that you've given us. Uh, So so thank you for that. Let me me pray for us as we get ready to jump into God's word together. All right? Let's pray. Almighty God, you are creator of all that is which extends beyond what our minds can even conceive. You hung every star in its place, and you know every hair on our head. It's astounding who you are and what you have done to bring heaven and earth together that we might know you in our midst Today, as we look into your word, I pray that you would ignite in us faith and that you would grow our faith and that you would grow and catalyze an imagination for what it is for us to bear witness to your son Jesus in the world in which we live. Do that good work in us, we pray. Father, uh, would you give us eyes to see what we don't naturally see? Would you open our ears? Our ears get so stopped up with the noise of our day and the distractions of our day. Would you, would you open our deaf ears so that we can hear you? And Father, uh, honestly, some of us come in here and we carry just a hard-hearted stubbornness mm. through distractions, through hurts, through disappointments, 
uh, lots of different reasons, but, but our hearts can get so easily hard. And so we ask you to do a work in our hearts, Lord, that you would soften our spirits, make us pliable in your care, that we might be changed by you as we receive what you have for us today and then walk in humble obedience as we leave. We pray all of this knowing that uh, you are moving towards us in love for our good. And God, we pray this, that, uh, that as we walk with you, that you would be glorified. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as Joe mentioned, we're, we're talking about what does it look like for us to move forward together. And we've taken a couple weeks to talk about how do we move forward as family together. Uh, last week, we did part one of what does it mean, what does it look like for us to uh, move forward as uh, witnesses uh, together. And it's acknowledging there's a, a personal dynamic to this. There's also a communal dynamic to this. So even as we talk about things today, uh, kind of part two of this, then we uh, want to keep in mind that there is a personal aspect of this and there is a communal aspect of this, that, that we are not just a, a group of individuals, but we are an us. We are, we are a, a people that God himself is shaping, uh, that God has called together by his design and that he is shaping into a community uh, that bears witness to the gospel of Jesus. And of course, last week we talked about this gospel of Jesus and how God has been revealing himself from beginning and will continue to do so until his return. Um, and it all points towards Jesus. And so we are going to be gospel people, a, a people who are continually shaped by the good news of Jesus. But we are not only shaped by this, we also are witnesses of this and, and we share what he has done in our lives. And so to explore that a little bit, we're going to go back to a passage that uh, we, we actually visited this passage and spent some time there um, back in May. Uh, we were going through a whole series on the New Testament book of Acts, but I want us to revisit this a little bit. It's going to be in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and we're just going to look at the first 10 verses, all right? Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And uh, so this is towards the, the beginning of the story that um, God inspired Luke to record for us in how the, the church began and grew, how this new people uh, were, were witnesses of Jesus and his work, all right? So uh, let's let God stir in us as we read these passages together. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to read it out loud, and I want you to kind of pay attention. You can look in your Bible. If uh, you don't have a Bible, you can look on your phone. You can follow along on the screen, uh, or you can look in the pocket in the seat in front of you, and there should be some uh, Bibles there. Um, and if you don't have your own Bible, uh, then one of those Bibles in the pocket in front of you, like there's, there's something good about a paper Bible, like use the phone and all that kind of thing, but um, there's something good about the paper too, because it helps give us context in some unique ways. And so if you don't have a Bible, a good Bible that you can read and understand, then reach into the pocket in the seat in front of you and write your name in the cover of that one. Now you have a Bible. All right? I want to make sure you've got one. All right? So it's not theft if you take it. If you take eight, we'll consider it theft. Um, but if you take one for you so that you've got one because you don't have one, we consider that a gift uh, to you. And we'll gladly have you take that. All right, let's read Acts together, Acts chapter 3, and then I'm going to come back and, and kind of see what you're noticing as we read this together. 
One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And while the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay, that's where we're going to stop the story for right now. And it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? As, as I read this, as you followed along as you read this, what were some of the things in this story, in this passage that stood out to you? What, what did you notice uh, as we read it? Go ahead and kind of speak up and uh, go ahead and do it loudly. Norm, what you got? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Yeah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, this healing took place. Absolutely. Thanks, Norm. Um, yeah, Liz. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Your, your question, what would we think if we saw somebody kind of dancing around, carrying on and praising God, right? It might stand out a little bit right here in Concord. Yeah, yeah, I love that. The question that you asked there. Yeah, Sarah. A beautiful thing happened at the gate called Beautiful. A thing happened at the gate called Beautiful. Oh, yeah, let's just sit in that one for a second. A beautiful thing happened at the gate called beautiful hmm what else what did, yeah Yeah, I love that. Um, it, it, there's no way for it to have been a trick. Like th this wasn't something that just got conjured up for a little show uh, on this particular day. He wasn't like it wasn't a setup job. Um, this guy had been lame from birth and had been every day brought into this same place. And so all the people who traveled there knew this guy. And they knew that he was the one who was lame. He couldn't walk. Uh, he had to be carried there. And he was begging for money every day. Great, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when God spoke, it was instantaneous, wasn't it? Yeah. That's great. Oh, I love that. I love that, Bob. Did I get that, Bob? Rodney, twins. 
twins are my foil. <laughs> Sorry. Rodney's pointing out that... Um, uh, you know, when, when, like little babies, as they grow up and toddlers, they have to learn to walk, right? But not this guy. As God touched him, in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, Peter and, and John picked him up, grabbed him by the right hand, and his ankles were strong, his feet were strong, he was healed, and he just got right up and he walked around, he jumped around, right, praising God. He didn't have a learning curve. He just got there. Yeah, part of that instantaneous piece that you were talking about too, yeah. One or two more? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, like, there's, there's maybe a few different inflections, and sometimes, you know, in, in text, we, we don't get the inflections. Um, you know, maybe it was like, uh, look at me, right? But, but we know that Peter wasn't making it all about him. And so there's just this dynamic of, look, look at me, right? This guy was just going about his business, head down. Hey, what do you got? What's the next word? Head, what do you got? What do you got? And Peter said, lift your head up. Look at me. Right? I love that. And Peter saw him. He saw Peter and John. And it says John did too. And so I love that piece, how that stood out. Thanks, Jeff, for, for highlighting that for us. Uh, yeah, Marty. When was the last time I was filled with wonder and amazement at something God has done? Oh, Marty's asking a question. When was the last time I was filled with wonder and amazement at the thing that God does? Right? Isn't it interesting how when we pay attention to what's happening in scripture, there are things that will leap off the page to us, and sometimes what stirs is even questions in us. You know, a couple of you shared just that question. Oh, I wonder how I'd react. Oh, when was the last time I was amazed? Like scripture invites us into its story, if you will, bringing these questions and noticing these people. And so as we look at this here today, here, here's a, a story that's taken place that draws us in with curiosity and wonder. I, I wonder, what, what's going on here? How is it that they're bearing witness to the gospel of Jesus? And sometimes we can feel so inadequate and so, like, we're missing things. Like, I don't have what it takes. But this thing that we are proclaiming today, this good thing that we're proclaiming today, like, put yourself in a spot to be able to receive this good thing from him today. And it is this. God gives what I need for your good. God gives what I need for your good. That's true for all of us. This isn't just Matt to you, right? So in, in my life, I can adequately say, God gives what I need for your good. And you also can say that same thing. God gives what I need for your good. As in fact, would you repeat that with me? Okay. God gives what I need for your good. Say it one more time. God gives what I need for your good. And this is what we see playing out here in this encounter between Peter and John and this man whose name we don't know, but had spent his life begging, begging for food, begging for money just to stay alive. And so let's look at these pieces together. The first one is, is God gives. Uh, when it comes to bearing witness 
to Jesus and, and the good news of Jesus, let us never forget this is God's mission. This isn't a thing that I make up. This isn't a thing that you make up. It's not something we just flip a coin and see what's going to happen in our day. When we come into Christ, when we uh, receive the gift of new life in Christ, we join God on his mission. Our purpose is no longer our own. It is his. And that's true with how we engage the world around us. And sometimes uh, what we'll do is we'll come to faith in Christ, we'll experience a measure of freedom and transformation in our lives, but we still live our lives as if I'm in charge, as if it's about me and the purpose that I make of myself. And sometimes in in Christian world and in church world, we'll even hear things like that and it'll give us the impression that God is just here to make your life better, that God is just here to make your life count. Even Christian preachers will sometimes give that impression that God is here just to accelerate your vision and your purpose in life. But that is not the picture that we get at all from Scripture. This is God's mission. And we are invited and commissioned into it. It is God's mission and we are invited and commissioned into his mission. If we were to go all the way back into creation, if you were here last week, right, we drew some of the things up here. We had some good pinchers that were helping us, and we began to lay out the story of scriptures because the gospel is anchored according to the scriptures. What is God doing from beginning to end? And so we we got to this, we saw this piece at, at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And as he created the heavens and the earth, the high point of his creation was humanity, the dust of the ground, and he breathed his spirit in, heaven and earth coming together. And there was a unique role that humanity played for both the man and the woman commissioned by God as image bearers. Scripture says, God said, let us make mankind in our image. And so he didn't just give them their own light and turn them loose into creation. He created humanity to be a reflection of God. Have you noticed the moon the past few nights? Isn't it been spectacular? I mean, it's great when I'm out walking the dog and I don't even need a flashlight. The moon is just brilliant and bright. It's a bummer when I get up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom and I'm being blinded by the shadows coming in the bathroom window, right? And so it's just this brilliant reflection. That's what humanity was created in the beginning to do, to be image bearers of God. That God was the source of light and reflected his light into the world through his people. And so not only were humans image bearers of God and reflecting the goodness and beauty and um, loving rule of God into all of creation, but they were actually designed because they were of creation. They were actually designed to give voice on behalf of creation that don't have mouths and, and the ability to worship and praise to actually represent creation in giving praise back to God as creator. And so humanity, people, we were created as image bearers, as reflectors of God's commission. And so he said, you're you're image bearers. And then he said, fill the earth, the commission to rule and reign with God. To rule and reign with God is to reveal God's loving, beautiful, benevolent, uh, powerful rule over all of creation. That's how God was going to Edenize. It's a great word that Joe has taught me. um, To Edenize the world. This was their commission. 
course, they didn't do it, right? By the time we get only to chapter three, things go off the rails. The temptation, the sin, the rebellion against God, and the fracture of their ability to be image bearers. And so when Christ comes, right, we're fast forwarding, long time here till Jesus comes, in Christ and his redemption, humanity receives a recreated recommission. In Christ, we receive a recreated recommission. And we see this in Jesus. Come follow me, he says, and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. And he's training, he's teaching, he's drawing his disciples to continue his ministry. And even before he ascended back to, uh, ascended to the, the right hand of the Father, his throne in heaven, Jesus said, um, as you go into all the world, Sound a little bit familiar? All the world. Make disciples. Draw people into my love. Teach them to live under the rule and reign of God, right? As you go into all of the world, um, make disciples. How do we do that? By baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This baptism is the, the, the picture of a changed allegiance, no longer showing allegiance to the world, but now showing allegiance to Christ, buried in him and raised in him. Uh, that's what baptism is. So bringing people into this new life through forgiveness of sins in Christ and also teaching them to obey everything I'd commanded, Jesus said. And so we're learning how to grow under the lordship of Jesus, coming to him with humility. All right? So this is our recreated recommission. And then he empowered the disciples and continues to do that with us today through the Holy Spirit. Right? So you got humans that were waiting around. They got this mission that's awaiting them. Jesus told them to wait. They'd know it when it showed up. What are we waiting for? You'll know it when you see it. And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down, touches on everybody. It looks like fire and there's rushing wind in this place. Again, it ought to seem a little bit familiar. Here are human beings of the earth, dust of the earth, and here comes the very breath of God, touching down upon them. Even right after the resurrection, as Jesus appeared to his disciples, notice what he did. He breathed on them. Right? And when we received the Holy Spirit, that was the starting gun of this recreated commission, this mission of God that he's empowering his people as individuals and as a people to do. And so what does that look like today? Well, this whole notion of go into all the world. It speaks of proximity. Right? If we are to be missionaries, if we are to be mission carriers, it requires proximity. Proximity. I love how David Fitch actually wrote this. He's a theologian out of Chicago area, and he posted this on his Facebook post, right? Uh, He's talking about uh, presence-based witness. He says, presence-based witness is when our churches, us, first present compelling and attractive ways of life as we live among the neighborhoods from which they can understand what it is that we believe, It's not about forcing them to believe. It's that they might watch us live and know what we believe and be drawn into it in the winsome way that we live. This happens as we share meals uh, from which they can be invited in. And so proximity is crucial to witness. And a lot of times what we can do, and sometimes we're, we're tempted to do, is to pull away from the world. 
uh, right, we come into Christ, we're learning to grow, and so then we start pushing away and clustering up here. This isn't the way of the mission of God. God is a God of proximity. We see in creation, he walked with them in the cool of the day. We see in Christ, um, the incarnation. It means God put skin on and made his home in our midst. That's the nature of the incarnation. God was proximate to those he came to save. And as his ambassadors, we too live in proximity. And the fact of the matter is, if we are going to move towards others, this is where it begins, not just saying, hey, you can come along if you want to, but we actually move towards others. If we have a posture of openness and love that invites others into our proximity, as we sit at the table, as we sit in our living rooms, as we, even, as we gather to worship, the fact of the matter is, it's not going to be all neat and tidy, is it? Sometimes we have given the impression that before, hey, before you bad people out there can come in here and know goodness, you got to fix yourselves a little bit, right? Pull it together, man, and then kind of come join us. And so uh, even some of you who are new and exploring things, sometimes you might even walk in like, I'm not sure I know what to do. I'm not, when do I stand? When do I sit? When do we pray? When do we sing? And, and right, you're, like you're learning some new culture. And so often what we'll inadvertently do is put all the onus on the, the coming and we want things to be, to be fixed and to be less messy and to be all neat and tidy. But when we move towards others in proximity, when we throw the doors open and invite others to join us, it's gonna be messy. It's gonna be messy. We don't always stay, we don't stay in those places because God grows us, he transforms us, he draws us to be more fully alive in his love. But let's be honest, it's gonna be a little bit less tidy than we might originally hope it would be. And we as a church, as center point church, I can't speak for the other churches, but as center point church, we will be a church that flings the doors open wide, says, come walk with us. And we're going to live together in such a way that, that people in our worlds could actually even see and, and believe that we believe what we believe. I think I can put believe a few more times in the sentence. Hang with me, right? Is our life believable? Here's what I mean by that. Do we live together in such a way that when we say salvation is through the grace of God expressed in Christ, will they believe that we actually believe grace? When we proclaim the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin at the heart of the gospel of Jesus is forgiveness and reconciliation with God, would they watch the way that we live together and believe that we believe that forgiveness is the most potent unleashing of love in all of the universe? Would they believe that we believe that reconciliation is the way God does his thing? That's what I mean. When we proclaim mercy, are we believable? When we proclaim love, are we believable? When we proclaim peace, are we believable? Not because we have arrived, but because in our authentic selves, in our um, reality, we're walking with him 
together in such a way that the gospel becomes believable. Proximity is crucial. And then sharing Christ in word and deed and ultimately inviting others to join us in humble submission to Christ. So God gives. God gives what? God gives what I need for your good. God gives what I need. This mission is what God is doing. We are joining him on that. God gives what I need. We don't always have what the person thinks that they need. Did you catch that in the story there? Just even as we looked at those verses, as Peter and John were walking by him, he reached out his hand and said, do you have some money? That's what he was asking everybody for. And they turned to him and they say, silver or gold, I don't have. Ugh. Can you feel that a little bit? I don't have what you're asking for. If we are going to be missionaries in the ways of Jesus, part of what we need to do is not only move in proximity, but part of being a witness is coming to grips with our own limits. One, there's limiting asks. Hey, just, just fill this thing. Like he just wanted a couple of coins, drop it in the hat, and on you go. He didn't even know in that place that he could ask for healing. He just wanted a couple of coins. And so the fact is, part of what even gets messy is we engage people who are far from God is they sometimes don't even know what they're asking for. They don't know what's available to them. Right? And yet Peter and John had to come to grips with some of their own lack. I don't have silver or gold. You're asking me for money. I don't have it. Have you, like, sometimes um, it might be something as simple as money. Right, you're driving out of Target and there's the person at the corner. Ugh, I don't even have change. Like who carries cash anymore? Not a lot of us. So I, I don't have, so sometimes it is something like that. Other times it's answers. And isn't that one of the ways that we get intimidated when it comes to sharing Christ with people? Like what if they ask the question that I don't know? What if they ask what I don't know? What if I don't have what they're actually asking for? What if I can't make it all? What if I can't make everything okay for them? And it forces us to come to grips with our own inadequacy when left to our own devices. And yet here we are. Remember, God gives what I need. And it begs the question, what has God given you? What has God given you? Think about what God has given you. Go ahead and name it a little bit. Shout it out there. What has God given you? Job. A job? Home. Home. Family. Grace. 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 Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Scriptures. Scriptures. Yep, forgiveness. Empathy. Empathy. Life. 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 Love. Say it again. Blessings. Blessings. There we go. Right? And so when we begin to take stock of what has God given us, this is what he has empowered us to share with others. God gives what I need. God gives what I need. In the situations you're in, God gives what I need as his missionary. 
God is the source, not only of the mission, but of the gift being offered. God gives what I need. It begins with understanding I need. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the self-sufficient. Blessed are those who pull themselves up by the the bootstraps. Blessed are the self-made man and woman. Blessed is the one who has it all together and is admired by all people. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? They're the ones who show up with empty pockets. It's precisely your empty pockets that God will most use on the mission field of your life. God gives what I need. If you have received forgiveness from him, then you have received what you need. If you have received peace from him, then you have received what you need. If you have received mercy from him, then you have received what you need. Marty's question, when was the last time that I was blown away by what God did? Sometimes the struggle in our bearing witness is because we got to go back so far to recount what God has done because we have neglected the daily rhythms of faithfulness that catalyze in us walking with God in the cool of the day. What is Jesus doing in your life? Not only what has he done, but what is he doing? God gives what I need for your good. Being witnesses of Jesus is for the good of the other. And that's what love is. God gives what I need for your good. Did you see that? Silver or gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. Imagine the moment. Like, like you said, like everybody around knows this guy is there every day. They know him. Even if they don't know his name, they know him. And here, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then Peter reaches down and pulls him up by the hand. And the man walks. And the man jumps and praises God in heaven. It is for the good of the other. God gives what I need for your good. What is goodness? If we go over and look at at Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Yeah, let's go ahead and turn there. It's not going to be up on the screens. Um, juking on the tech team a little bit there. Jesus is reading from Isaiah chapter 61. He opens the scroll in synagogue that day and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When God shows up and settles down in our midst, 
He is bringing goodness. He's restoring what has been broken and fractures in, fractured in the cycles of sin and violence that the world is stuck in. When Jesus arrives on the scene, he brings um, good news for those who don't have. When Jesus arrives on the scene, he brings freedom for the prisoners, for the oppressed. When Jesus arrives on the scene, he brings healing for the broken. And all of this begins with blessing. Begins with blessing. In any particular moment, begin with the good news in the moment. Begin with the good news in the moment. Look at what they did. They helped him up. Like this man needed something in a moment. They eventually got to the place where they talked about the death and resurrection of Jesus. But in this moment, it was about the man couldn't walk. And they drew him into the healing of Jesus. Begins with good news for the moment. And blessing speaks speaks, uh, good news of the fullness of the gospel. It's a God's story of his redemption of the world. And so we offer just words of blessing. This is how it begins. Heard a story recently of uh, somebody who, um, in, in the place where she works, has just started asking people um, that she works with, hey, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And sometimes people are like, mm, no. And other times people will open up and share what they're praying with. There's the blessing of saying, I see you, you're important. How can I pray for you? Um, I've started doing that. Uh, sometimes when I go, we'll go out to eat. I've kind of learned from others. And so I might ask a waitress. Sometimes if they're like busy and you know, juggling a bunch of stuff, I try not to interfere with what they're doing. But if there's a moment, I might stop and just say, hey, how can I pray for I'm going to pray for our meal here in a minute. Um, how can I pray for you? And sometimes they just really, the door opens up. And sometimes it doesn't. They're a little bit taken aback. Um, but it begins with blessing. And then as we offer blessing, we begin to see the people of peace. Where are their soft hearts with what's happening here? This happens individually in a bunch of different ways. And then it also happens collectively. Um, today, beginning today, in this facility, in this building, we're going to be hosting families who otherwise would be sleeping in their car or on the streets. Uh, family promise. And so um, Shannon's helping us do that, and Sherry's helping us do that, and Tammy's helping us do this, and a bunch of you have already signed up. You can still sign up online if you want to, to be a part of what God is doing, that together we can bear witness to the believability of the good news of Jesus. And so we bless. God gives what I need for your good. And it begins with offering blessing. I had such a great picture of this uh, just a couple of days ago. Heidi and I uh, got to go and be a part of graduation at his mansion. Uh, His mansion is a uh, Christ-centered community of healing and recovery in uh, Deering. Uh, just over in, in Deering in the Hills, just about f- uh, 40 minutes away from here. Now, a lot of t- uh, first couple of weeks of every month, they actually will come as a group and worship with us. I love having them be a part of it. When they're not here, oftentimes they're watching online. So if you guys are watching online, we love you guys. And so it's a ministry that we partner with because it's just so important. Um, but they, they bless us in return as we get to worship together here. And so Heidi and I got to go, and there was a few others of you that got to do this as well, got to go to the graduation on Friday. And Part of this graduation is sharing the stories. There were four of them who were graduating. There was uh, Michelle and Emma and Davey and Nick uh, were all graduating and each shared their story. And as they shared their story, they're coming with authenticity. They're opening themselves up. 
And how they're leaving that community is vastly different than how they began in that community. Their stories begin with the brokenness of their addiction and all the baggage that they came in with. Because remember, when we're in proximity, sometimes there's mess. And through experiencing love and trust and authenticity, they engaged with Jesus through the blessing that they were able to receive. Their hearts softened. And in time, each of them had made a decision to follow Jesus and gave themselves to him. And they were bearing testimony just a year later of how God had transformed them through the grace of Christ and were being commissioned in their graduations to go back into their communities as missionaries. There's something so powerfully healing about the community that God shapes here. If we will come with authenticity and openness, not pretense and image management. If we will welcome the brokenness even as we celebrate and move towards redemption and healing, then this too can be a community that God is shaping, that bears witness to the lordship of Christ, that we ourselves would grow in him and that others would join us in worshiping him. Look at what happened in the story here as this man jumped and praised God, right? Carrying on. Others looked on in amazement and praised God because of what they'd seen. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? Let us be a church of healing, of redemption, of restoration, where we come before God with empty pockets and receive the gifts of freedom and healing and forgiveness and restoration and redemption that he gives us, that we might join him in expressing that mission until all the world knows. The recreated commission has not ended It continues even in this day. And there are people in your world, there are people in your world, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, that will catch a glimpse of Jesus through you. What will they see? What will they believe? You believe. How will we live in such a way that the gospel of Jesus is believable? This is what it means to be a family, to bear witness, and to grow as disciples. This is the people that God is shaping here in our midst. As we talk about those forward together, we've got some teams that are emerging here. I'd actually like uh, some leaders of one of the teams. So Paul and Gabby Laflamme are going to join me up here. Karen Lehar. Paul, Gabby, Karen. Can you say, hi, Paul, Gabby, Karen? Come on up here. And uh, step into the light with us. Excellent. If I'd share a little bit with us about what you guys are doing and and how you're trying to help us as a church be able to get feet on this this whole thing. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm one of the, uh, or I'm the facilitator for the witness group here. Uh, You're going to hear from all of us, but I just want to start by sharing. One thing definitely stuck out to me this morning is God gives what I need for your good. And that's really, that can be the rallying cry for the witness team. What we're here to do is to go around and share the good news and the love of God in different ways and find out how the church is already doing it, help it do it better, find out areas where we can be doing more and do that. 
So as we've been learning about what it means to be a witness over the last couple of weeks through your sermons, that's really something that we wanted to dig in on. I know this was one of the things that the uh, consulting group found that we as a church wanted to do, so that's why we're here, to really bring this together and open up those doors. Our three main strategies that we're working on right now are developing missionary mindset. That's very important because we're all missionaries in every aspect of our life. We don't have to go to some foreign country, spend a week there to share the good news. You can do it every day in just your interactions with people, just sharing that love, living that. Uh, And that's one thing that we're working on. Another one is increasing local impact. And that's something that can easily be missed. It's always super easy to see, especially right now with everything going on in the world, all the areas in other countries where people need help, people need the love of God. But it's really easy sometimes to just walk by those people on that street and not realizing how broken they are and how much they need God just as much as everyone else and how we can fill that gap right here. And then also strengthening our global outreach. We do have the grow team, which is amazing, but there's always ways to do it better, to do more, to find where God is moving and partner with him. So that is what I wanted to share about, our three main goals and how that ties into what we've been going over. I'm now going to hand it over to Gabby. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, So I just want to give us a practical idea of how this works. Um, So Paul, can you just open that for me? Like, completely open it. Um, So if you have one of these pamphlets, you'll notice that there's three panels um, that represent the three different teams. Under each of the panels, there's three goals. Um, So if we can have our visual, um, this is a little bit of where we're going. Um, We... We were asked to pick one goal to start with. Um, Thankfully, the team above us didn't say, hey, um, we want you to do nine goals at once. Uh, That'd be a little ridiculous. So um, thank you. We're starting with one. Um, The one that we're starting with with is right on the top, developing the missionary mindset. Um, And just a little caveat that this is subject to change. Um, We want to be led by God. We want to walk through prayer. Um, So we have this visual, but it it could change at any moment. and you'll notice, if, if you're wondering what we've been doing, if you look under now, it says, understanding our team and how it interacts with other pre-established groups. Um, so we want to kind of practice what we preach. We want to be family. Um, so we don't want to come in, bulldoze over the great things already going on in our church. Um, the goal is to, to partner with what's already going on um, to support um, and to play out that role of family by caring for one another in that way. And also, we want our team to be strong um, so that that, too, can witness to um, God's love and work within our, our, our family together. Um, so the other, other ones um, go, go through the year to October of next year, where we'll, where we'll start again with another goal um, and add, hopefully add more people throughout the process. Um, so I asked Karen to share um, with you what brought her to our team. Yeah, so it kind of started with God really placing a burden on my heart um, in the area of prayer and wanting to really um, emphasize that in my own heart. And probably about a month or two ago, uh, Susan O'Neill, who's on the Forward um, Together team, had asked me if I would be willing to be a part of, um, as a prayer lead for, for one of the groups. And she let me know that the three groups that they have that we're focusing on are the family focus, the discipleship focus, and the um, witness 
And so I told her, well, I I think if I kind of feel that I have the most to give, it would probably be in the area of either family or discipleship. And so I went away and and prayed about it. And then by the time I got back to to Susan, I said, okay, yes, I really feel that God is leading me. Um, He's already put this burden in me. And so I would like to be a prayer lead for one of the groups. And um, Susan let me know very quickly. She said, well, I just want to let you know that the two groups you actually chose um, already have prayer leads. Would you be willing to be part of Team Witness? And I just kind of had an inward smile because God knows me so well. Um, He knows if there's any area in my life that I feel the absolute weakest in, it's in the area of witness, and yet here I am being presented with this. You know, definitely not my choice, but I felt that it was really God's choice. And very quickly, he brought to mind um, the verse in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, um, where it tells us that his grace is sufficient for us because in our weakness, he gets to display his strength. It's not about me, and it's not about what I bring. It's me having a willing heart and allowing God to be the strength through me. And it's the same for any of us. If you're out there and you're feeling like, gosh, yeah, I really want to get plugged in somewhere, but I don't know, I'm a little inadequate or whatever, um, I just really want to encourage you with that verse that it is just a willing heart and allowing God to work his strength through you. Thank you. Uh, and if anyone is interested, you can always come find one of us and talk to us after service. Uh, you can pull one of these pamphlets. There's a little QR code on the back. You can scan that and then send an email through the church website. And we'd be more than happy to even just talk and connect and let you know what's going on. And if it's something that's on your heart, move. Let God use you even if you don't feel the most comfortable in it. That's right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your leadership. So we're trying to put traction to this whole thing of what it looks like to bear witness to who he is. You know, they talk about developing a missionary mindset. And uh, one of the pieces you've gotten a taste of, um, you know, last week kind of did some Bible stuff up here, right? Kind of drawn some things out and he had the pinchers. Um, that, that was really developed out of a, a group that Joe has been developing and, and piloting um, about called The Big Story. It's, it's how we talk about scripture and what God is doing from beginning to end and understanding what's going on here. And so it's been a, a beautiful group. Joe's done a phenomenal job leading those things out. And, and, but that's when we understand what God is doing, we understand our part in it. When we understand our part in it, it begins to shape our mindset and we understand that we're missionaries wherever we live, work, and play, right? And so these are things we want to continue to grow in as uh, the team leads the charge for us. Good. So, right, it can feel intimidating. Like, I'm not sure I got what it takes. Here's the good news. You don't. That's the good news. You don't. However, God gives what you need for their good. Stand with me if you would. Father, I pray that by your grace you would cover us, that you would empower us by your spirit, that you would remind us that you have given us every good gift in Jesus Christ. You have empowered us by your spirit that we might bear witness to who you are today, tomorrow, and forever. And that this is 
This is a way that you grow us for our good and it is a way that you walk with us for your glory. Empower us by your spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here. You are commissioned as witnesses because God has given you what you need for the good of those you meet. Thanks for being here. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.